as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, aka Citizen Bot, also Big Shiny Robot And we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Brooks Hello. Bird With TheRealPlace.com RealPlace.com, uh, anywhere else we can see you? Well, I also do video and Blu-ray and DVD reviews for blogcritics.org. Nice. So uh, Brooks Bird is one of the uh, members of the Utah Film Critic Association. He's also my partner in crime up here, <laughs> going to see bad movies so you don't have to. we got a lot to talk about, but stick through to the end. Uh, it is October, and we want to start going over some really cool, maybe overlooked Halloween movies that are a lot of fun, maybe scary, maybe not, maybe family-friendly. Not this week. Uh <laughs> But we, we definitely have a lot to talk about, so uh, we think you'll enjoy kind of the things we're going to bring to the table. Um, really fast, though, before we get to the rest of the reviews, uh, we did miss last week because of Comic-Con, everything that was going crazy, uh, so we do apologize for that. I do want to touch on the movie Stonewall really quickly, though, and I mean quickly, like less than two minutes because there's not much to talk about here. Um, Stonewall is Roland Emmerich's take on the infamous Stonewall riots that took place uh decades ago that kind of kicked off the LGBT rights uh, fight for equality. It it caught a lot of flack because the uh, trailers and the marketing all showed the Stonewall riots and kind of wiped out the fact that there were trans people, people of color, and drag queens who were, and lesbians, were kind of the driving force behind what happened. And they made it seem like it was this corn-fed, hunky white kid from Indiana who threw the first break, started the riots, and rah, 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 sis, boom, rah. And it got a lot of heat for that. So, here's the thing. If you're going to name your movie Stonewall, actually make it about the Stonewall riots. The Stonewall Inn and the actual riots take up maybe 20 to 25 minutes of the actual movie. Uh, this movie has about as much to do as with the Stonewall riots as it does about Stonewall Jackson. Um... It's more of a coming-of-age story about this kid who gets found out for being gay, moves to New York, makes friends, finds himself, and goes on with his life. It's not a badly made movie, and in fact, uh, Roland Emmerich showed some restraint in his filming, but it's not about Stonewall. So, it's not that bad movie, not a good movie, horrible marketing, has nothing to do with the topic at hand. It's not deserving of the, what, 8 or 9%, it's getting Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but... It's not something you need to go see. So I'm a 5 out of 10 on that. Not horrible. Doesn't deserve the hate it's getting. Should have been marketed and named something else. So, With that being said, let's move on to our actual movies this week. <laughs> which uh, are all much better. Which are all much better. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, Andy and Brooks, you both got to see Sicario, and I had to work. Um, so Andy, why don't you tell us about what that's about, and then we'll go from there. Sicario, uh, as the movie tells you in... Uh, its opening crawl uh, comes from uh, an an ancient Hebrew word meaning uh, assassin. In Mexico, Sicario has come to mean hitman uh, and is associated with the drug war. So that tells you exactly what is going on in this movie. Um, A lot of people are calling this the apocalypse now of drug movies, and I think that's a fairly apt description in how bleak and hopeless it feels. Uh, I'd also make a comparison to um, 
just as Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, uh, really delved into the hopelessness and inhumanity of the Vietnam War, uh, so too does Sicario do for the drug war. Uh, this is a story of uh, Emily Blunt, who plays uh, FBI rookie agent Kate Maser, uh, who on uh, on a relatively routine assignment, they bust into what they think is a drug house and they find instead a house of horrors. Hidden in the walls are uh, up to possibly a hundred dead bodies uh, that have been stashed there by the Sonoran drug cartel. They're trying to nail the uh, the owner of the home, Manny Diaz, uh, who is a lieutenant in the cartel, uh, who has a bunch of other legitimate businesses. So to try and cause chaos and disrupt everything, uh, an interagency task force is brought in, uh, led by Josh Brolin. Along with him, uh, he brings Benicio Del Toro, uh, both of whom are a little bit mysterious, and they won't say exactly who they're working for other than they are quote-unquote DOD contractors, DOD Department of Defense. Uh, they say they're working for the military. They're working with a bunch of Delta Force uh, soldiers. Um, so they're about to go in and cause as much chaos for the cartel as they can, and they need Kate there for various reasons, which aren't explained uh, until the end of the movie. Um, so you go down this rabbit hole with them and their operations, and things essentially go from bad to worse, from tense to more intense uh, to horribly violent to, oh my gosh, I can't believe how awful this is. Let me out of the theater violent. Uh, and uh, you are, you're along for the ride, literally, uh, because director uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, who previously did Prisoners, uh, puts you in the action, oftentimes in first person and that's where this movie really hits you and you're you're along for the ride standing on the back of uh, a mexican uh police truck riding escort as they go through the streets of juarez uh you are in a first person view as they go down a a drug tunnel um to try and take out some bad guys and uh it is just intricately woven very well paced and uh had me on the edge of my seat the whole time until the end uh at which time i just i just felt awful i was like humanity is terrible we have completely screwed ourselves on uh on the drug war and this is an impossible situation and it's terrible uh but uh, in terms of a movie wow amazing um i i had a, a great time with it and and along with the direction and the story uh i thought the real star here was benicio mm -hmm. uh who does an amazing job if it's not too early to start talking uh oscar um i'd say i'd say he's got a good shot at a best supporting actor oh, it's not too early we're going to talk oscar a lot more later on in this conversation so <laughs> okay great uh, um, what do you think brooks i think the only thing that held the movie that i i just the pacing for me was way too slow I know that these movies are supposed to be a slow burn and it's supposed to build up to its big climax, but for me, it just kind of felt like it lacked the punch because it took so long to get there. But it was Benicio Del Toro leading the way that just plows through that and just watching him on screen. It's just 
It's one of the best. It is the best performance supporting Elise so far. Yeah. I had a great time. I, I, I like to do this sometimes where I, ima- I imagine an alternate history for the movie. And so I thought of this as Benicio Del Toro as the collector going to find the Infinity <laughs> Stone for cocaine. Uh, <laughs> this movie is obviously not, but that that was a good way to like get myself to not think about the horrible things that were happening and that we were see- witnessing on screen. So oh, Horrible things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were, we were talking about it last night, and um, I, I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not going to go into spoilers for everyone, but uh, let's just say it. Uh, I was surprised by what I heard they actually did in the movie, because they they did some things that you don't ever see in films. No. Not like in the, and not in the grotesque, like, you know, rapey sort of way or anything, but just like the way they, they shot certain scenes or pulled off certain, um, we'll say, murders. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was really surprised at how almost casual a lot of the violence was and and that was uh emily blunt's character's response to all of this over and over she's saying what the f are we doing and it's like these guys just they this is business as usual for them and it's business as usual for the cartel to like kill people maim them behead them and hang them naked off of a bridge for everyone to see as a warning and it's like this is terrible, and this is what people in places like Juarez deal with all the time. And it's it's just, you know, they're coming back across the border, and uh, they've just gone through this really violent episode. And uh, and one of the members of the team says, "Oh, you're going to be reading about this in every paper in America tomorrow." And Josh Brolin's like, "Nope, this won't even make the papers in El Paso." It's so commonplace and it's so normal for there to just be awful violence. Like these people are uh, almost immune to it, and that's what's so scary. Yeah, it, it, it's funny you mentioned the, the whole commonplace of commonplace of violence. Uh, I had a friend who moved from Utah to Iraq, and he actually was working there as a bartender. And uh, when he came back, I was like, "Holy crap! That must have been you know crazy, fearing for your life with you know the, the terrorism and the the bombs and just everything going on there." He's like, actually, he's like, I was for the first week, and then you just become so used to it that you hear a bomb go off in the background, and you pause because you don't want to spill your drink, and then you go back to doing what you're doing. So, you know, it, it's sad, it, and like, like you mentioned at the beginning of, a, of your review that, you know, losing hope for humanity because this kind of stuff is that common in so many places to where, oh, someone getting their head chopped off and dumped over a bridge naked doesn't mean anything because we saw two yesterday. <laughs> um... It's it's and I think you were going to talk about this. You mentioned the you know, the shooting we just had in Oregon. It's the same way almost here. It's like oh, there's been another shooting, and yeah. the outrage we felt during like Sandy Hook and the other ones that have happened you know, recently. It's almost like the the veneer has worn off, and I, I don't mean to sound casual about that because obviously these are tragedies and these are horrible things. But you're not seeing the same reaction you were seeing a year ago, just because eventually everything does wear you down and just become like oh this happened again and it's again it's a horrible horrible thing and it's a striking commentary on mankind and how these humans react to things um but sadly it's true yeah so brooks i don't think you like this as much as i did (laughs) i'm in like a seven and a half out of ten territory where where would you go well as far as the performances go i'd probably 
you're going seven and a half, I'd have to go lower. Because <laughs> I was going to say eight for the performances alone. Mm. Well, but but you, can, you can be an eight and you can be a 7.5. Yeah, sure. Everyone's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Del Toro is just... Uh, and he's he the always, scariest person in a movie this year. He always does an amazing job in everything he's in. So I am incredibly excited to see this. Uh, I was really sad I had to work through it. I know you text me, and like, come see it. I'm like, I'm at work. <laughs> um, I know it's getting a huge buzz. Uh, the like opening weekend when it was very limited release, it outgrossed movies that were opening on 3,000 screens as far as a per box office goes. Um, so definitely, definitely wanted to check out. So we went from the Dregs of Humanity to... The High Rise of Humanity, um, a little bit uh, a little bit lighter note. Uh, Brooks, why don't you tell us about The Walk? Well, The Walk is pretty easy. It's based on Philippe Petit's book, which was also made into a documentary uh, called Man on Wire. And it's about his 1974 walk across the Twin Towers on a tightrope. Very easy. It flashes Simple. back to 1973 and kind of shows us the buildup, how he gathers his team, there's some New Yorkers that <laughs> feel a little out of place, but that's okay. And it's all about the casting, but this is definitely Robert Zemeckis's step back to product, to quality filmmaking after the drudgery he's dragged us through for his <laughs> uncanny valley entries. So it's about time to see him making something that's technically, that's a technical marvel, even if it's still not his best work, but it's way mm-hmm. better than Flight. Yeah, and I, I didn't see Flight. I just had no interest. I I heard enough about it. Uh, the thing, the, the I'd never seen Man on Wire, so I need to go back and watch that because I've, I've heard it's a little more detailed. And this movie, some say, almost rips off what happened in that. Well, they're based on true story. Well, kind of have to. <laughs> There's really no way around it. Yeah, it's like I saw this great World War II movie, but it really felt like it ripped off the history of World War II. <laughs> like well, Saving Private Ryan, it just totally <laughs> ripped off this documentary I saw on D-Day. How dare they? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I guess they were, it, it felt too totally the same. I don't know. I haven't seen it. So those out there who can compare them, maybe you'll see something I didn't. Uh, what's really interesting is The Walk plays out like a heist film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's... If you've seen Ocean's Eleven, it's it's kind of the same way. Uh, Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt playing Philippe Petit, who is fantastic. I mean, he owns this movie. People were kind of giving him crap for his accent and the way he was acting. That's how the real guy talks. Yeah, like I, I went on YouTube and watched it. And I was like, oh crap! But actually, Philippe Petit taught Joseph Gordon Levitt how to walk a tightrope. So he did a lot of his own stunts in the movie because he knew what he was doing. Uh, <laughs> so we got to hang out with him and obviously pick up his tics and idiosyncrasies. Uh, but yeah, it's a heist movie. They they get together and they put the team together, which includes you know his kind of maybe love interest, uh, some friends from France. They go to New York, gather people there, gather supplies, put the plan in place, and I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Uh, that being said, it eh, something just didn't work for me. Uh, like we mentioned before when we reviewed Everest, it's almost like you know. And oh, and by the way. Go see this in IMAX 3D. Absolutely. If you're going to see it in any way, shape, or form, uh, the last 20, 30 minutes when he's actually out on the high wire, <laughs> the people are throwing up in movie theaters. For good reason. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's amazingly shot up there. Um, but hold on. Get ahead of ourselves. Um, with like with Everest, you've got this build up, build up, build up, and we're all waiting for the, the payoff, which is him on the wire. And it just kind of it, it drags along a bit. Uh they do this really annoying thing where uh, 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt is standing on the Statue of Liberty in the background of the Twin Towers, and he's narrating the whole thing. And it's kind of cool at first because it makes it feel more like a documentary. But then as time goes on, it's almost like the writers didn't trust the audience to feel the right things when they were supposed to feel them. So it's like they put a bib on us and we're spoon-feeding us emotion. Like, here, you're going to feel happy here. You're going to feel worried here. Oh, no, here comes the plane. Um, and that just that really got wearing. Uh, I think what they should have done with that mm-hmm. angle is brought in the real Philippe Petit to narrate the movie himself. Yeah, they could. I they mean, could have granted, been that. it may give it away that you know nothing bad happens, but still. But that happened. When Everyone said, knows nothing bad's going to happen anyway because it's based on a true story. It's based on a true story. Uh, but honestly, all of that gets washed away the moment he steps on that wire, oh. and you feel like you're you soaring out on that ledge. Yeah, and you 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 look down and your stomach drops, and I mean, it honestly, if you, you what we were talking about <laughs> last night is if you buy a ticket, show up an hour late. <laughs> And just walking for that last scene, have a good time and walk out. Uh, it's it's definitely a lot of build up with a great payoff. Um, there are some problems with it, but that payoff, amazing payoff. Uh, so I'm only at a six point five just because I don't think it's worth the wait. But <laughs> yeah, if if they could build an IMAX screen in my living room, just like so I watch oh, that yeah. scene over and over again, I would never leave my house. See, and I didn't have as much problem with the narration or any of the characters, aside from some of the New Yorkers. Yeah. The hippie drug, drug guy was a little obnoxious. Yeah, when did, when did they cast Matthew Lillard as Shaggy Dude? Yeah, it's <laughs> literally like Shaggy walks into the movie. It's really... Whoa, man, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, and he's like, I'm freaking out. It's like, okay. Oh, it was horrible. But anyway, so I'd pro- I'm would i going to go with eight. Eight? Because cool. I didn't mind the narration, and I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and yeah, he was fantastic, and the payoff totally worth yeah. it. Yeah, we're not we're not talking Oscar worthy, no, fantastic. But I forgot it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, and, and I forgot Ben Kingsley is oh, his like yes. mentor, who uh, was Papa Rudy, who ran a circus that he used to go to as a kid and did really cool high wire acts, and he kind of bribes him into teaching him how to walk the rope and tie things up and set the wire. And he owns the screen every time he's on it too. So great performances from the two of them. Just a little bit hackneyed and kind of drags a bit, in my opinion. So, <laughs> and that was the kid from Third Rock from the Sun, who right? <laughs> who would have ever thought he would grow up to be one of the best actors of our age? Yeah, I know. Now he's a little androgynous, and now he's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He is, now yeah. he's JGL. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so the, those are movies. Uh, again, we've had a bit of a mixed review on those. I think we're all in pretty much the same agreement <laughs> for the next one, uh, The Martian. Sorry, no, Matt Damon, which is based on the book uh, Andy, Andy Weir. Andy Weir, yeah. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> Who loves to get left behind. Yeah, oh, yeah. Actually, there was a meme I was sharing about, you know, between Saving Private Ryan, Interstellar, and The Martian, Americans have spent way too much damn money getting Matt Damon back. Um, but, yeah, so he's, he's an astronaut, he's a botanist, and he's on Mars with his team, and they're, you know, doing samples and doing tests, and... A, a huge dust storm comes up and they have to leave because their return ship's going to blow over. Well, on the way over there, Matt Damon gets hit by some debris and it impales his little biometer. And so everyone thinks he's dead. So the crew is heartbroken. And, but so they have, they have to leave. Otherwise they're all going to die too. So they take off the storm's over. And the next day who should wake up, but uh, Matt Damon play his character's name, Mark Watney. Uh, he wasn't dead. Actually, he, the, the piece of debris pierced his suit, but his blood clotted and kind of, kept it from leaking out air. So he stumbles back to their habitat 
and realizes that he's alone on Mars. He has no way to contact Earth. Uh, he's got a very small amount of food, and he's got to figure out a way to survive for at least four more years until the next mission comes to Mars. Uh, so a lot of the movie, it, it's people are saying it's almost like Apollo 13 meets Castaway. And that's true to a point. It doesn't quite sum up what the movie's all about. But yeah, he's he's sitting there and he, he's doing a lot of like diaries, uh, video diaries of himself. And he's saying, hey, so I'm on Mars and I got to figure out a way to make food. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and try to find a way to grow potatoes on Mars. And he does it. And he finds a way to condense water and he has to make this, he has to go a thousand or so kilometers to the next landing site. And so it's all about him just using the, his smarts and ingenuity to keep himself alive and keep his hopes up. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Jeff Daniels is the uh, playing the head of NASA, and he's going to damage control, and they're trying to figure out you know what to do. They've pretty much stopped all missions now because you know the first person to Mars died, and then finally they get in touch with Mark, and they're like, "Holy crap, we need to find a way to get him back." So it kind of becomes a race against time where the, uh, his original crew revolts and wants to go back to pick him up. They're trying to find a way to get you know more supplies to them to get him before his food runs out. And it's just an incre- incredibly crazy, wonderful, funny, one of the best films I've seen all year. Um, I don't think I mean hyperbolic by saying that. What do you think, Andy? Oh, yeah, absolutely not. No, this is this is one of the best movies I've seen. And I was amazed at how well they blended the tension with the humor. And oh. Matt Damon is, like, effortlessly funny, which I think if you if you have to be stuck in this situation, you have to employ a lot of that kind of gallows humor. In fact, I spent most of the movie thinking back to my days as a boy scout. And, uh, we, we got the wilderness survival merit badge. And, uh, in that we had to, you have to learn the, uh, the seven priorities for being able to survive in the wilderness for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, the number one is a positive attitude. And uh, yeah, so he embodies that. <laughs> he really does, and it was so funny because then he goes down that uh, that exact hierarchy. It's like, okay, first I've got to have a positive attitude. Okay, I do. Second, I need medical care in case I'm hurt. Good, got it. Uh, third, well, in his case, he needed to make sure he had both shelter and enough oxygen. Uh, so he made sure he got that. Um, then he had to try and find a way for to do communication, and then way down on the list is actually food and water. Um, but uh, but he 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 made the right priority decisions, and he he worked out all of these things by um, and and pardon my French here, but it's in the trailers and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but he scienced the shit out of everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's that's what he did is and it was so great. And as much as Sicario made me feel bad about humanity, this made me feel so good. It's like we can take problems and we can solve them. We can use our own ingenuity. And this being in the not too distant future rather than like a far Star Trek future or a distant past Star Wars uh, era where it's like there's all this great technology. No, this is pretty much 90% stuff we all have today. And uh, it, it was just great. I, I felt so good and it made me 
it made me wish that we were a society that emphasized science and exploration more and uh, guns and military less. And, and that just, that was the only thing that made me sad, but it made me very hopeful because I think everyone who's seeing this is feeling the same way. Brooks. Well, at least I'm happy to say I can set up base camp along with the rest of you. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. One of the best moves of the year. Ridley Scott's obviously upping his ante with this one. And I know that a lot of people, well, some people have complained that it's, I don't know. They have complaints about the movie. And I have to say one of the reasons why the, I'm going to say that the movie's better than the book. Oh, wow. And there's one very particular reason, because I hadn't finished the book before I saw the movie. And then I was reading a part of the book where in the movie, there's this big set piece and it's showing, you know, their space station flying through space. And it's just, it's a simple scene. She's working out, Kate Mara, mm-hmm. and one of the other astronauts walks in and asks her to decrypt some a file and it's just an amazing set piece and in the book all that happens is he walks into her room and she's sitting at her desk so i think it just goes to show how much more effort ridley scott drew goddard who wrote it oh and drew goddard adapted it absolutely cabin in the woods cabin woods amazing daredevil yeah he's just a great screenwriter and so i'm pretty sure that he probably wrote some of this in yeah. Because, I mean, why would you want someone just sitting at their desk? Well, you could have a, and it's, it was like almost in uh, Interstellar where they have this, this spaceship spinning. So they kind of, that's how they kind of manipulate and form gravity. Mm-hmm. And she's, yeah, it's, it's, it's spinning through space and it's moving around and she kind of turns upside down and it's, it's, it was it's cool. Jaw dropping shot. Yeah. And, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, who <laughs> he's been raving about this on Twitter, he's like, it's a movie that actually has fun with science and when it needs to, it fudges the science, but who cares? Cause it's based on real things. And it's just, you know, a friend of ours was saying that he, he didn't like the one of the things he didn't like about the movie was there's going to be a lack of sacrifice and drama sometimes. Uh, and it was kind of a, a lighter type movie for Ridley Scott. And see, I just, I looked back and I, remember, I think as all as kids, we all wanted to be astronauts. You know, I think it's kind of that and being a dinosaur were like the two things I wanted yeah, to be. Space and dinosaurs. When I grew up, when I grew up, <laughs> and this movie kind of brought that spark of hope and enlightenment and just joy back. That hey, this is this is going to be us in twenty years, you know, hopefully. <laughs> and this the idea that you know we're on this small speck of blue in this infinite universe, but that you know, like you mentioned, Andy, that you know maybe we all can work together one day and accomplish great things and. Um, take the Star Trek route instead of the Mad Max route. So <laughs> it was amazingly shot. It was beautiful. It was funny as hell. Well acted. We talked about the Oscars. If Matt Damon doesn't get nominated for this, shame on you, Academy. Yeah, the movie uh, all rides on him. I mean, all by himself. Yeah. Uh, the supporting cast is great. We mentioned Kate Mara. Uh, trust me, she's a lot better than Should we, we saw in Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pena, who we saw in Ant-Man, who stole the show there. Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels, Sean Bean doesn't die. <laughs> Uh, and there's also the best Easter egg. Which one? The the Lord of the Rings reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one does not wander into waters. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, that was that was great, and that that's what I was so amazed at is how much talent there was in the supporting cast. Uh, Chewedel Ejiofor and uh, Sebastian Stan both yeah. both bring a lot here. To, I mean, a lot of these could have been really small throwaway parts, 
uh, even Danny Glover shows up in, wow. in what was a small role and has a lot of fun with it. And I, I just I thought that they all did a great job with with this. And it, it's it once again proves that adage that there are no small parts, only small actors. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I'm at a perfect ten. I've only done this once this year with Mad Max. I absolutely loved it. Uh, I I'm calling best actor for Matt Damon, best movie and best director, and possibly cinematography. Uh, again, if the Oscars don't do something with this movie, I'm gonna stop watching. Well, it's the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes out of everything we've yeah. talked about. So, so I think that says something. Well, well deserved. Yeah, I'm at a 9 out of 10. I didn't think it was as perfect as Mad Max or Ex Machina, which I both like just a little bit more because I thought they were, I, I don't know, uh, they were more complicated stories to tell in some way. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a movie I want to take my kids to. And I'm not letting my kids anywhere near either of those other two movies for a long time. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine why. <laughs> Brooks, what do you think? I'm sticking with Adam on this. I'm going perfect 10. I can't find one thing wrong with it. Yeah. I, I, I went back over the last couple of days because uh, I was actually, when I originally saw The Walk, I walked out, no pun intended, on a, on a high note. And it was just, it was just so mind-blowing because that last scene just stuck with me. And as the days went by, you know, my score steadily dropped as I kind of digested what I'd seen uh, with The Martian. You know, we saw this two weeks ago now, almost. And yeah, every single day I think back about it, like I can't wait. I want to go see it again, and I can't think of anything I would do differently, or I would wish that Ridley Scott would have done differently to make it better. So, um, but again, nines and tens, fantastic movie, definitely the go-to movie of the week. Uh, apparently it's it's better than 3D. We only saw it in 2D. Yeah, they claim there was some technical difficulties, but yeah, yeah, who whatever. knows? But uh, yeah, I saw it in 3D. I thought it was I thought it was great. Um, I didn't I didn't see like oh we have to. This is something you absolutely have to see in 3D. Um, but that scenery on Mars is really gorgeous and is probably worth it right there. Yeah. So. So ch- check that one out. It's the must-see movie of the week. I would say it's the first must-see movie of, of the season and kind of kicked off our Oscar oh, yeah. date. Yeah. So, so overall, some, some really good movies this week. Uh, but before we leave you, we want to talk about some cool Halloween movies. Uh, first week of October, everyone should be sitting down with their pumpkin spice lattes and <laughs> put on some good horror movies. Uh, Nothing wrong with being basic. Yeah, Brooks and I are going to suffer through some really bad uh, movies soon. Actually, we'll, they don't look so bad. Well, well, one of them will. One be. of them is supposed to be the most horrible movie, horrible horror movie ever made, uh, and we'll I'll talk about that briefly next episode. But we did want to talk about some cool Halloween movies, and we asked everyone on our Facebook page to give us some suggestions, and they came up with uh, supernatural slash demonic movies. Uh, Brooks, why don't you tell us about the one you picked? My pick is The Orphanage. It's a Spanish horror mystery thriller, and it. I have to say, it's the first time a horror movie's ever made me want to cry. Really? But what it's about is a woman is working at the orphanage that she used to live at. Well, I guess live at when she was a child. And so she comes back to maybe run it and is there with her husband and her child, her son, Simone. And there are ghosts (laughs) and creepy seaside caves and a really creepy social worker that seems to be stalking them and there's a kid running around the hallways with a bag over his head oh fun so everything you can expect from those spooky haunted house thrillers (laughs) but 
it's just it's amazingly shot spectacularly acted everything that goes bump in the night does and it's like i said surprisingly touching it's the first horror movie that may make you want to cry anyone with kids obviously for sure interesting like yeah i've I've wanted to see that one for a while it's i got thousands of movies on my list that i need to see but it's on my table it's on the table over there i can see it so um but cool. That's that's good to hear. Absolutely. And I know produced by Del Toro. Del Toro, yeah. Guillermo Del Toro. The only Del Toro. Since we were talking about Benicio. <laughs> uh, Andy, what'd you come up with? Uh, I'm, I'm also on the, the Guillermo, Guillermo Del Toro track. I chose Hellboy. Hellboy, yes. All right. So, I mean, when when I think supernatural, I I didn't go scary. I wanted to go kind of fun, adventurous, and uh, this is what I came up with. Uh, Hellboy adapted from the Mike Mignola comics uh, about a a little tiny baby uh, demon found during World War II who is supposed to cause the apocalypse. But instead, he's found by a, a, a British scientist played by uh, John Hurt at his, as his older version. And instead, they train him to be a part of a supernatural crime-fighting force. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things that go bump in the night, and they are the ones that bump back. Uh, <laughs> he's he's aided here by Selma Blair, uh, who has blue fire powers, and uh, Abe Sapien, who is a mocap performance by Doug Jones, who is an ancient fish person with psychic powers. Uh, and the three of them, along with a rookie uh, human agent who is uh, somewhat forgettable, John Myers uh, go out and are trying to solve a problem about the return of Rasputin and some other ancient Nazis uh, that are going to try and cause an apocalypse. Uh, Lots of fun, just a great adventure story uh, like a lot of comic book movies. And unlike a lot of comic book movies, this, this doesn't get bogged down in the whole origin story thing that's dispatched in the first 15 minutes very easily or anything like that. Yeah. And (laughs) so we, we get to just spend a lot of time with uh, Ron Perlman uh, and in this giant red uh, ape demon suit with his giant Rocky fist going out Mm -hmm. and causing all sorts of havoc. Um, I just love this movie. It's, pure unabashed joy along with being uh, scary at times and along with being really funny at times. So I, I love it. Yeah. And it's out to Ron Perlman. Uh, I think this was a year or two ago, but he, he had a, he did a make a wish for a kid who loved the Hellboy movies and wanted to meet Hellboy. So he went and got in full Hellboy makeup, went and visited him in the hospital, did the kid up in the makeup. Uh, really just a cool story to see that, you know, it's always nice to see that actors and, Famous people who, you know, powerful, rich, this and that, uh, still haven't, I haven't lost their humanity. It's too often you hear about people who get stuck up or snooty. Uh, and much like Chris Evans did at Comic-Con this year, at, up here, where he spent an hour and a half with kids in the back playing with them and making them happy they could meet Captain America. Uh, it's cool that Ron Perlman kind of has the same heart for his fans and for kids. But yeah, Hellboy, it's, we were talking about it last night when we were discussing the movies to bring up here. And... As a fan and someone who loves it, it's almost like it took me aback for a second because I just realized that, yeah, Hellboy is really underappreciated. Like, a lot of people weren't familiar with the comic. Maybe they saw part of it and like, ah, it's not for me. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit scary. 
It's funny. Uh, and just reminds me that I need to go watch it again because I haven't seen it in about a year or two. And hopefully we'll get that final cap to the trilogy. Yeah. That oh, would be great. But I'll, 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 I'm pushing for Pacific Rim 2 first. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We have had two Hellboys. We need another Pacific Rim. Uh, That's so, the problem with Del Toro. He's got eight billion projects, and we'll see. Yeah. So everyone needs to go see uh, Crimson Peak when it comes out in two weeks because if that movie does well, we'll get our Pacific Rim 2. So, and probably Hellboy 3. So go out there and do that. Yes. So I, I picked uh, Evil Dead, and not Evil Dead, the classic Sam Raimi, but the remake from 2013, uh, directed by Fede Alvarez. Uh, and I think a lot of people overlooked it, it or thought, oh, well, the original is so great, how could Clint top it? It wasn't trying to top it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a different story. It's a bunch of college kids go to the cabin in the woods, but they're going there because their best friend Mia is a drug addict, and they're going there so she can you know, go through... Detox. Detox and get it out of her system and go crazy there where she has no way to go out and get drugs. Uh, and of course, in the middle of it all, they find the Necronomicon, they read from it, summon up these demons. And what's really cool they do is that she's been attacked by them. She's freaking out. She's going crazy. And everyone just assumes, oh, it's you're going through it's the detox and you're just going crazy because you don't have the drugs in you. Uh, when actually she is telling the truth. The crazy thing about Evil Dead is it is one of the most grotesque, bloody, nasty, horrible movies ever made, and almost all the effects are practical effects. They didn't use CGI. Um, there's a horrible scene involving a box cutter and someone's tongue, um, uh, a syringe in someone's eye, and it's all this wincing and ew, just, I'm uh, just thinking about it. Electric knife to the arm. Yeah, and ah! it, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty much. Squishes together Evil Dead One and Two into one movie. Uh, sans the laughing and the humor because that's really not where in this film. But it is pretty gleeful with the gore. It's gleeful with the gore, um, and it's all done so well with so little CGI. It's not trying to top the original. It's trying to complement it. And for fans, there's a lot of cool Easter eggs. Um, if you see through the credits, you got a Bruce Campbell cameo. You got the car, you know Sam Raimi's car that's been in all of his movies. A lot of cool nods and winks. If you didn't see it. Go for it, but I promise you, don't watch it up after you eat anything. Have an empty stomach because you you might lose your lunch. Yeah. The, now, I the only thing I want to argue with you on that is that the original Evil Dead is not a classic. Like, I, I think you can go back and look at that and be like, there are real big problems with this movie. It's great in a lot of ways. But, you know, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 were the movies that we would watch and we would laugh at because we could see the strings. Mm-hmm. And and we could, you know, laughing at the effects and, and how terrible a lot of them were. So what I loved most about this was how they brought it, uh, you know, they did it right in a lot of ways. And um, I, I actually went to the premiere of this at South by Southwest. Ooh, yeah, that's right. And, and uh you know, Fede Alvarez was talking about this and, and Bruce Campbell was up on stage and he's like, he's like, this was a terrible movie and it's good that this finally got, got done right. And I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, Bruce Campbell. Uh, he, uh, Fede Alvarez talked about how for that final scene that they have where it's raining blood from the sky, they brought in two giant tanker trucks filled with fake blood and they used it 
all. <laughs> those so talk about your practical effects. I mean, it it is insane. And uh, they they did this really well. So I, you know, I have a lot of nostalgia for the first Evil Dead, but this one was actually done well. So 7,000 gallons of fake blood. Oh, yeah. I just looked it up. <laughs> yep. Um, and also, speaking of fake blood, if you're, if you're lucky enough and you stop in the Las Vegas area, uh, they're actually, they have a production down there. I think it's at the Hard Rock Cafe or Hotel. I have to double check. Uh, it's Evil Dead the Musical. And it sounds stupid as hell, but it's really funny. It's really well done. Uh, it's directed by Cirque Michaels, who knows his stuff. Uh, he's come to Comic-Con with the whole troupe and performed it a couple times. But what's so fun about this is they have a splatter zone. So the thing is, there's a bunch of chairs, and they're all covered with tarps and plastic. And if you go, go wearing a white shirt, sit in the splatter zone, and you will leave completely just drenched in blood looking like you came out of a horror film. I mean, the last 20 minutes of the movie when Ash is killing the Deadites, uh, it's just a, it's, it's like being in a horror movie, because it, but it's so much fun. It's funny. The music's charming and wonderful. Both Sam Raimi and uh, Bruce Campbell have signed off on this as it's their official, you know, they, they officially endorse it. It's a lot of fun. It's not expensive. Go see it. If you're a huge fan, they'll even let you get married on the stage. <laughs> they have a whole <laughs> wedding plan available. Oh, my God. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a ton of fun. Check it out. Uh, and... You know, you'll you'll leave with some of that seventy thousand gallons of blood all over you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I want to thank uh, listener Aaron Burton, uh, Geekhead Aaron of Geekhead Radio, for suggesting this week's theme of supernatural and demon movies. So I hope you enjoyed this. Um, for those of you who want to chime in this week, go to our Facebook page. We'll put up another. Uh, list of places where you can go in and make your suggestion and then go in and vote uh, go and like your suggestions uh, and like other people's suggestions and whoever gets the most likes uh, that's what we're going to do this week uh, unless as happened this week we had a tie so uh, we, we did a tiebreaker and, and we, <laughs> we went with this um, I know what I'm going to make a suggestion for this week hmm. and that is Aliens I think we need to talk about good alien movies. Maybe it's just because we we just watched The Martian and uh, we heard that there's water on Mars, but um, there's a lot of great, scary, sci-fi uh, or even funny movies with aliens. You could you could go anywhere from Close Encounters to uh, Fire in the Sky. But uh, yeah, sure, Fire in the Sky to Paul. I was thinking Paul exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot here, so I, I think we should do aliens, and so that's my pitch why you should vote for aliens. So, let's, uh, let's, I just came up with mine. Let's do zombies. Let's do aliens versus zombies. Um, the reason why is is again, zombies are getting old hat. They're everywhere. We've got two Walking Dead TV shows. They're really getting worn out, but there are some really fun zombie movies that maybe people didn't watch uh, or weren't aware of. So. Uh, Everyone, hop on our Facebook, facebook.com slash board is hell podcast. Uh, and we'll put the post up later today and let us know. We're going to go aliens or we're going to go zombies. Or make your own suggestion and well, get people to vote for that. If you don't like either one of those, please let us know. We're more than happy to take suggestions because uh, we're here to throw out some fun stuff for you guys to maybe see some movies you've never heard of before. So I have a suggestion myself huh. horror comedy. 
Okay, so <laughs> aliens versus zombies versus comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes those are inclusive. Exactly, yeah. So, Agreed. I'm in the woods. It's actually all three of those. Yeah. So, <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yep. Yep. Uh, that'll take us to the end of this week. Uh, thank you very much for stopping in and listening to us rant on and on about some movies. Next week, we've got the prequel retelling reboot of Peter Pan. I've oh, seen it. You've seen I've it. Seen it. Yeah. I can't say anything, but I've seen it. We yep. can't talk about it, but I've heard enough. Uh, yeah, he named me Malala, which uh, is a story, uh, I think it's like a documentary. It is. About yeah. Malala and everything she went through and how you know, her progression and being the amazing person she is. And then we have 99 Homes, the drama thriller with Andrew Garfield. So, Bridge of Spies. Is that I think week? it's next week. I think next week is Bridge of Spies. But we're excited for that one, too. It early. So, everyone, thank you very much for joining in. Brooks, thank you again for, for showing up. And we will talk to you next week. Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly.